Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering. Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? Do you really? And once again, I didn't think of anything clever to say. <laughs> I put it on my like, to-do list for today. I was like, I'm going to think of something. But I'm just picturing you like that SpongeBob episode where he's trying to write the paper. And it's just like the very <laughs> fancy of the... Yeah, who knew Who knew? trying to think of 52 pithy answers to that question would be so difficult, <laughs> especially when you forget to do it before. <laughs> the, the last episode, we're going to have a real good one, I promise. Yeah, I'll have come up with a list of them. <laughs> It'll just be like you trying to use like common punchlines instead. So it'll be like, do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? Then you better go catch it. <laughs> Damn it, you stole it. That's a really good one. Well, there you go. There's there's that one for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. See you next time. <laughs> ba 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 ba. So this week we're looking at season two, episode twenty, in the key of F. This first aired April fifteenth, two thousand five. It was written by Jane Ford and directed by Harvey Crossland. We get one uh, guest character in this show. We get Kristen Bishoprick as Ms. Allen. Uh, she voiced many characters in Sailor Moon, including Zoysite, <gasps> and also made appearances in TV shows like Goosebumps, This is Wonderland, Nikita, and The West Wing. Let us jump into the key of... Uh, I love this class. What part do you love exactly? The fact that Miss Allen is a nut job? Or the fact that she grades so hard. We start off in the classroom with Robbie and Lily. And apparently they're a songwriting class. Like, I guess it's a music <laughs> class, but this one specifically has like a songwriting component to it. And Lily's all excited. They're getting their latest songs back. And she's like, oh, I'm the star student. Yeah, I'd, like she grades hard, but she doesn't grade me hard because I'm so great. And Robbie's stressing because apparently, you know, this teacher's really strict. And uh, we hear the teacher say that the top five students will be performing at Mickey's and the bottom five will just carry the shame of it forever. And it's it's just a very intense vibe and also a lot of logistics that I don't understand. I'm also I'm so glad you led with the fact that uh, this actress voiced Zoe Sight and Sailor Moon because it's definitely like very like <laughs> evil vibes from this teacher. <laughs> And also, like, I'm so confused about what this class is because, you know, the you write a song and then if you get a good grade, you're performing at Mickey's. Right. Is this like, like, Robbie, one musical talent we've seen from Robbie is he can kind of sing and dance around to boy band tracks. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't understand. Like, now is the expectation you have to, or like, arrange and like orchestrate this well, song exactly, and perform exactly. it in front of people. <laughs> what what does songwriting mean? Are you writing sheet music? Are you just writing lyrics? Are you like it kind of looked like the sheet that Lily gets back is lyrics with maybe some chords written in with it. But like that is a a lot to put on a like high school kid. Like as someone who took music like from age 13 onwards. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And I definitely wouldn't want to, I definitely wouldn't have wanted to perform whatever I had written as a oh school assignment in yeah. public. It's a lot of pressure. My God. What a strange class. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. 
Hubert, do you have any thoughts on on this music class? I I think it's uh I was thinking about this as as we're going through the episode or that part of the episode and it's uh it's just so strange to see like how much pressure is being put on these kids who are like you're you're an amateur and I'm a professional. No, you're neither neither you're anything. You're like in high school, okay? Calm down. Like you're you're, you're maybe marginally better than the people around you, but like nothing great, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like that's it, it's very played up just for the for the sake of the drama, but it's 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 great to see that. I just love how like intense and like dramatic it is. It's very good. Yeah. Also, also, he, my husband's back. Hi, Hubert. <laughs> we forgot to introduce <laughs> our special guest for the episode. He's back. He lurks. By Surprise popular Hebert. demand. <laughs> yes. I, I was uh, I was voted in back to the show. Uh, the other option was an actual bear. So I'm glad you guys an like me more bear. than an actual bear. <laughs> we do like you more than an actual bear, and I think I think your presence was demanded by our, our CanCon commercial break selection, which we'll we'll get to later. Thanks. But uh, <laughs> so Lily's like kind of you know being like, oh, I wonder if if uh, Miss Allen is going to want me to open the showcase. It's going to be so great. She ends up getting an F. <laughs> While Robbie gets yeah, a and it's one of those like very. It's one of those very, um, like, cartoony high school. I got an F where it's, like, middle of her page, just a big-ass marker, red marker F circled. Like, that's rude as hell. It's not constructive. That's rude. Yeah, that's so rude. Like, that could have been a place for comments. But no, it's just you just get an F. Fuck you, kid. No. All right. Like, the the times that I got bad grades in high school, um, all of which were in grade 11 math, uh, it was like a, a very like small like box in the corner that you could very like easily like flip over or conceal and mm-hmm. just kind of like peel up the corner and be like, okay, that's bad. Yeah. The high school Hubert and I went to, all of your assignments and tests were graded using little green slips of paper where the same sort of thing where the grade would kind of be in the top corner. So you could just kind of like cover it with your hand or curl it over if you didn't want people to see. And then, and then just ritually burn it later (laughs) i also i never got the experience of like getting um an f not not like out of like grading scheme kind of thing but just because um ontario or at least you know the school board that i was under doesn't do letter grades they do number grades and i was so confused when i moved here because it's not a b c d it's four three two one so i was like what the fuck does a four mean when i got my first paper back And then it would vary between instructors, you know, like sometimes they would do like A plus, A minus would be like four plus, four minus. There were times I got a four plus plus, there were times I got a four P, there were times I got a four A, there were times I got a four with an up arrow, there were times I got a four with a down arrow. I don't know what any of it meant, but I just looked at the number and said, okay, at least I got four points. We didn't even get A, B, C, D. It was just like you got your grade out of 100 and that was about it. Like, Yeah, and I, I, I much rather yeah. have a percentage. I don't know what four yeah. up arrow means. <laughs> You're going to the fourth floor of academia. But, yeah, I mean, my, my university transcripts will love that. This is like, I guess one of our main sources of tension for this episode is Lily absolutely baffled at the fact that she could possibly get an F because she was convinced she'd written a really good song. While Robbie, how does Robbie get a B and Lily get an F? So I'm thinking you come over and uh, I make you my famous dinner. Macaroni and cheese. (laughs) 
I don't know, we could watch a DVD or uh, snoop through Tim stuff. Coming down the stairs, we see Ray and Grace, and Ray's saying, hey, why don't, you know, we have a date where you can come over, I'll make you macaroni and cheese, which I guess is his take on macaroni and cheese, but he doesn't clarify what that take is, and all I can think of is that cake with a very green icing, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I also away. just like, I mean, like, the scene opens with him saying, my parents are away this weekend, and like... I know that it's a family channel show, but it's also just nice to see, like, there's no nefarious intent from him. It's just like, I want to watch a DVD and eat macaroni and cheese. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good 14 year old. Yeah, and it's very in character for Ray. It's just like, I have a girlfriend, I'm making mac and cheese and we can watch DVDs. <laughs> that's fine with me. That's all I'm yeah. looking for. It's just Honestly, mac, mac and cheese, and, cheese and, and DVDs is a good, good time. Grace suggests, why don't we go out for real? We can go Dutch. Uh, you know, just being considerate of the fact that, you know, they're both kids, essentially. But Ray's like, no, I'm going to take you on the town. We're going to rent a limo. <laughs> like, I'll rent a limo for you. I love immediately goes to limo as if that's like the standard for every single date. <laughs> when you're mm-hmm. an adult, yeah. you get a limo every single time. Ray's clearly uncomfortable because, you know, he's... 14 and he's proposed this date where it's like a limo and sushi and then we're going to go to show again at the mysterious water factory and why are they making all this water why are they making all that water at the water factory but uh yeah there's there's our there's our second plot and travis uh again travis and ray are such bros now travis and ray are walking along and travis you know talks about how in Buddhism, the community comes together when somebody doesn't have a lot of wealth. And Ray's like, great, does that mean you're going to give me money? And Travis is like, no. <laughs> and Ray's like, meh, and then leaves. Um, but yes. as as soon as Ray leaves, who comes along but Parker? Hi. So, listen, you know, I... And Travis is like, that night in the line was one of like the, the weirdest and best, most revealing nights of my life. We should go out. And Parker's like, I was going to say the same thing. So it's just, oh, it's very, it's very exciting and wholesome and good. And I'm just so happy. Me too. And I'm interested to see though, because they're thinking of something to do. And Parker says, have you ever, uh, have you ever tried paintball? Which I don't know is how, how is Travis going to do in paintball? Is marksmanship one of the many, uh, one of the many skills he's trained in? How would you feel if like you went on a date and they're like, I've never done paintball before. And then like immediately was just like kick ass at it. Like, yeah, just sniping you. How (laughs) that's so revealing. That's like a very revealing date to go on. Yeah, that's true. I I've never been paintballing. I'm too scared. I'm I'm a I'm a delicate little lady, and I don't like the sound of welts being on my skin as like a fun thing. I, I no. went once, once that I go paintballing, and uh, I ended up like <laughs> almost having like a panic attack. Oh no! It was like I felt like in my mind it became very real very quickly, mm-hmm. and I was like behind a bunker, yeah. and I was like, oh man, people are shooting at me. I don't like this. Yeah, it's a very, like, violent pastime. I mean, like, I, I can get down with, like, a nerf fight. like mm-hmm. Or laser tag. Yeah. But, yeah, paint, paintball, especially, I mean, just, like, the visual weaponry of it is, like, it's so, it's so intense. And it's I don't... too real. To look it's the vibe, loud. Go, go, like, go make some pottery. Go roller go skating. Pottery. Go, go yeah. do something gentle. Even throw even throw an axe if you feel like, you know, throw you want to do something like 
macho because you know at least you're not throwing it at anybody (laughs) throwing an axe feels like less of a war crime you know axe throwing definitely feels like one of those things like you'd see at like a viking festival or one of those renaissance fairs or something like throw ye old axes like yeah as opposed to shooting (laughs) the only pastime that they had in medieval times throw (laughs) an axe throw an axe I don't know. There's nothing better to do. Oh, no, throw an dying. axe at it. <laughs> throw Fuck. an axe. Get syphilis and die. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> keep an eye out uh, on my Redbubble store. I got new merch dropping. <laughs> throw an axe. Get syphilis. Checkbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Checkbox. We're living in medieval times. I absolutely want a mug that says that. I was gonna say it sounds like an alternate lyric. You gotta know when to throw an axe. You gotta know when to get syphilis. And you know what? You gotta know when to go home. <laughs> I go home now. I gotta go I home syphilis. now. I got syphilis. I gotta go home. I got syphilis. Oh, I've thrown all my axes. What am I supposed to do? Can I talk to you? Well, considering you're standing in my brass section, I guess I have no other choice. So we get Lily after um, that Parker and Travis interaction going to the teacher who is like dramatically practicing some conducting. Again, we're in the music room, which is just a classroom. I, I don't understand how this functions, but she's just standing there with the door open, blasting some sort of symphony and is like practicing her conducting to it. And Lily comes in, walks in. She's like, can I speak with you for a second? And the teacher's like, well, you're standing in the middle of my brass section. So I guess so. Which she's not. She's standing <laughs> right by her podium. Why are you putting your brass right there? You drown out your woodwinds. Oh. Um, school, lady. <laughs> but essentially, uh, Lily is like, this This isn't fair. I know that my uh, my song was better than this. And the teacher's essentially like, okay, I'll give you a chance to do like a makeup song. If I like that one, I'll change your grade. And that's kind of what it boils down to. And then um, the RFR segment for that day kind of quickly turns into them talking about unfair grades. Unfair grades, let's talk about it. Cause in some classes, there's just no argument. If you fail algebra, then yeah, the proof is in the quadratic equation. But how can you grade something creative? Isn't it subjective? Uh, in the radio station, Lily, you know, again, is is confident that her song was great and that her teacher doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, they're, the crew is talking about failing grades and things like that. And Travis says, well, in Japan, a failing grade can bring disgrace on the whole family. And uh, yeah, so Lily's determined to show her teacher that she doesn't know what she's talking about so i'm interested to see how how that goes i like we've we've really switched the dynamics like in this last chunk of episodes where it's really we're just seeing lily and robbie interact and we're just seeing ray and travis interact like it's it's like switch in how they're paired off and it's interesting because like we're just we're really not seeing them interact with each other like there's just there's no robbie and travis plot lines there's no Ray and Lily plot lines anymore. Yeah. It's Ray and Lily's kind of on ice for a bit. Yeah. It's kind of nice to like give them some chance to grow as characters or have some character arcs that aren't all wrapped up in each other. Yeah. Um, including this one where Lily is still, you know, really frustrated with this grade. So she's sitting outside the shed with Robbie. He's kind of bouncing a ball against the wall. And she's like kind of frustratedly writing this song and, you know, being very fixated on the grade. And the fact that 
teachers love her and she always gets good grades and that's what this is about she swears but she's gonna prove them wrong and robbie is just kind of there you know just happy content with his grades so he's <laughs> just kind of he's just kind of chilling and, and watching it all happen i never knew being hit in the back could be so painful sorry about that but all's fair in love and paintball we were on the same team meanwhile over in mickey's we get the uh kind of aftermath or I guess the the midpoint of Travis and Parker's date as you know Parker excitedly drags him into Mickey's and he's like rubbing at his shoulder because they went paintballing and he is in pain he's in so much pain um so they sit down and who comes up to their table but Ray wearing an apron um ready to take their order not realizing it's the two of them and he looks up and says, oh what are you guys doing here and Parker's like we're on a date and it's so cute (laughs) We find out that Ray has somehow got a part-time job at Mickey's instantly, despite Mickey knowing Ray and probably knowing that he's not a good fit for this job. Oh, God. He's trying to make some money so he can take Grace out on a date properly, um, but he's really fixated on like her not knowing that he needs the, the job to be able to do that. So he says he's like set up a deal with Guitar Face where if any of her friends come in, Uh, He doesn't have to serve them and he can like pretend that he's not working. But Mickey, you know, comes and stands over his shoulder while he's saying that. And Mickey's like, oh, I guess everybody here is Grace's friend then. Because apparently there's like this huge line at the counter. And he sends Ray off to, you know, go and actually do his job that he's just started. Mickey truly has a heart bigger than his megaphone to take Ray on. (laughs) My heart was bigger than a megaphone. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, we're already coming up with great lyrics. We we should be the yes. one creating songs here. So we get that. And then um, after Ray leaves, Parker kind of excitedly drags Travis out to do, you know, whatever the next activity is, which also oh. sounds like something horribly violent. Yeah, it's smash up hour at the roller derby or something like that. And it's just oh. like, that sounds awful. That's not something that you should do immediately after paintball. <laughs> and what smash up hour? It doesn't even sound like roller derby. It's just like, we're just going to fucking go full speed into each other on purpose. Like, I, I believe that Travis is, is a stealthy boy. I don't believe that this type of con- combat is his thing. He's also so small. He's so small. so small. Don't hurt him. I'm gonna do what I want to do. That's okay with you. Okay. What did we think? The next day we are back at school. We are in the music class. Lily has apparently been made to play her song in front of the, the whole class. So I guess, you know, stage fright's really, really gone in Lily's world. Like she's just very confident in this songwriting. Plays her song no for kidding. the class. And the um, teacher is like, all right, guys, what do we think? And Robbie raises his hand. He's like, I think it was great. It's really catchy. It's full of hooks. Great. And the teacher's like, yes, it was. But what about the bridge? And like dissects her song. She says like, it didn't take her in the direction she wanted. She says the lyrics are lacking, which like are all things like how many songs have these students written? And what are your expectations for a bunch of 14 year olds who have no life experience. Oh, I it know. It really does feel like she's trying to take it out on her, really. Yeah, yeah. It's like a very unfair set of standards and a very strange frustration where she's really picking apart um, Lily's work in front of the class in a very unfair way, which culminates in her saying, it's a very good effort, Lily, deserving of 
a C and she like draws her paper, the grade on her paper in front of the whole class, which is like, who oh, does no, no. that? That's evil. You don't, oh, you don't grade P. Oh, just no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. It's, it's a bad teacher. It's very upsetting. And we are still talking about unfair grades. That's right. Has a teacher ever had it in for you? Let us know. Um, but then we hop over to the station where it looks like Lily is taking the Robbie route of things, which is to just take over the, the radio <laughs> show um, to rant about her personal problems, which are still about getting unfair grades. I do need to point out um, between all of these scenes, we've gotten some like very choice um, like montage transitions. The first yeah, one was just like all, all radios. And then this one, transitioning between these scenes, it's just like this great B-roll of the four of them. There's like one shot where they're like walking down a road, but it's like they're very silhouetted and it's very dramatic. And then there's shots of them just like goofing around on the shed. And it just makes me happy so to great. think of like these teens filming that B-roll and it just being like fun yeah. and goofy for them. You know, that was like stuff they shot for like promo and things like that. And then they're like, we use this in the show. Yeah. <laughs> We also learned at the broadcast that Ray's been telling Grace that he's visiting his grandma when he's really working. Because, I don't know, I guess he's he doesn't want Grace to find out for some reason. Maybe he's embarrassed or maybe he just doesn't want Grace to know that he can't afford limos all the time or something. And uh, Travis warns Ray about the dangers of lying, how it will, it'll come back to bite you. And, uh, but he says that in a more Travisy way. Lying not only hurts the person you're deceiving, but also he who tells the lie. And then Travis gets a phone call from Parker, who apparently wants to now go bungee jumping with Travis. And who Travis who is, is like, signing uh, the release? Who is letting yeah. these kids bungee jump? <laughs> who is letting these babies bungee jump? And Travis quickly says, oh no, I have an inner ear infection. I, I can't go. Sorry. Let's just, let's just go to Mickey's. And, uh, they're all kind of like looking at Travis, you know, being... A bit of a hypocrite and travis is like hmm. travis <laughs> is like say hi to your grandma for me and it's a it's it's a good bit um i will also say as you know we're um listening to rfr we get a shot of these teens just like hanging yes. out listening to it in a jeep, jeep friends like it's it's like a very like open jeep uh front door to it is open and it's just like everyone is either like in in the jeep or standing outside of it all just like hanging out just just standing it's just excellent. listening to the radio it's <laughs> jeep, jeep friends. friends are they are they friends with the the, the porch boys yes <laughs> jeep friends and porch boys that's that's one of the things that i've missed about this this past like school oh. year so you don't get to see the porch boys which are the yes. the like frat college boys who just hang out on their porch, just throwing footballs on their front lawn yeah, for like all of September. Pong. Oh my gosh, porch boys, porch yeah. boys and Jeep friends. You think people who work in coffee houses actually take coffee breaks? Because if you think about it, wouldn't they want a break from all the coffee? Yeah, yeah, like I said, you're a regular comedian, kid. We, we get um, another scene of Ray at Mickey's um, and him and Mickey are chatting. Mickey's like, oh, why don't you take a break, Ray? And they're, they're kind of chatting, and Mickey's talking about all the tips that they've made that night, and it's just because Ray doesn't enter the decimal <laughs> button when he's ringing things up. Oh. So he's like, look, kid, it's it's not working. Like, we can't do this. And Ray's like, okay, you know, it's it's fine. I just, I just want money to take my girlfriend on a date, but, like, 
<laughs> my mom cooks coupons. So I was like, we'll go to the grocery store. It's fine. And Mickey's like, fine. <laughs> and lets him keep the job. There's this great moment where Rach is kind of looking sheepishly at Mickey like, oh, like, oh poor me. <laughs> is, it's very Is dumb. it working? Is it working? <laughs> but I, I will say I am a person that just enjoys like a social grocery trip. So I... I yeah, it's true. <laughs> maybe that's part of like being an adult that, you know, something like grocery shopping is like super mundane when you're a kid. But mm-hmm. like if you can just like dick around in a grocery store obviously not in today's settings but like hang out with a friend and just like do basic things like that it's a good time so we're meditating yes it's something i really really want to share with you after that we go outside of mickey's where parker and travis are sitting at a table and travis has kind of turned the tables and he's like okay we're gonna do something that i really want to share with you which is meditation very on brand for travis so he you know they're just kind of sitting quietly and um, he's like, okay, so you're just gonna sit here and face your palms upwards and breathe and follow your breaths and let your thoughts go. And Parker keeps like being really chatty and like her thoughts keep drifting. It's a very like not mm-hmm. Parker thing to just be like very like quiet yeah. and focused. She's very like bouncing energy all the time. And she she just can't do it to the point where Travis gets like really frustrated with her like talking oh. over his like quiet time and he's like forget it I just wanted to do something that was quiet and still but your talking is driving me crazy just flips on her it's so bad. it's just like very very like sad Parker face which it just just hurts so bad and he's like aren't you gonna say something she's like I wouldn't want to drive you crazy and then leaves oh. um oh it's it's a rough one. It's a rough one. So I'm I'm rooting for these two. They're cute as hell, but they're yeah. very very different. And I I That's love that true. like their characters are established to the point where it's like it's not even like oh we needed this episode to see how different they are. It's like oh this makes perfect sense with who these characters are and who we know them to be. It's it's nice because you you know where the compatibilities are because they both think like their brains both go to really interesting places and they can have really great conversations but they just have such different energies <laughs> i can't figure it out i mean i belong in that showcase what is her problem with me miss allen doesn't have a problem with you then we go to the coolest basement uh love lily's basement there, there's something about the set design of this show of like it's really good at creating places that aren't like super extravagant but are like mm-hmm. places that you want to be in i think maybe it's like oh, it captures the nostalgia of something really well of like mm-hmm. just hanging out in like somebody's basement <laughs> and like as weird as that sounds like there's nothing extravagant about like lily's house or even like lily's bedroom but they're mm-hmm. just like they're dressed in this way that's like it they feel very lived in like they feel like genuine like like someone lives there like it's not a set and yeah you know it just it makes it just feel very like authentic and like oh this is a place that i could have been and you know it's just it's i know that that's what it like you know set deck is supposed to achieve but it just does it really well in the show in a way that like you wouldn't really notice if you didn't think about it we get some more fun characterization of lily's off-screen dad we know he's kind of he's kind of dorky. He makes answering phone messages. He calls Lily Peanut, and now he has like a really cheesy record collection that Robbie's kind of flipping through. Meanwhile, Lily is kind of morosely spinning around in her her amazing chair that only an episode ago she was eating cheesy blobs in, uh, or a couple episodes ago, and she's still lamenting the fact that you know she feels like Miss Allen is picking on her and she's being really mean. And Robbie's kind of trying to temper things a bit by being like, "Well, she's not she's not being that mean." Like. But Lily's not convinced. 
And then as Robbie's going through all these records of like, you know, disco boogie, like 70s, 80s records, he ends up finding one by Lena Allen with Tempest. And lo and behold, it's their teacher who I guess had a had a brief actual music career. And you can you can probably guess what Lily's gonna do with that. <laughs> oh, she she does something real mean, and I don't know how she has the platform for it. Essentially, we go directly to to school, presumably the next day, where Lily is once again standing in front of the class performing a song for them. Which, I mean, I I don't know how that got greenlit, and also like why the other students are like, is the rest of our school year just gonna be sitting and listening to Lily's songs? They say those who can't do teach, those who can't do teach, did you to be something at least for a minute. And it's very, very mean spirited and really, really inappropriate to do like at yeah. school at all. Like this is the kind of thing where like you would very, very quickly get detention, if not worse, oh, for yeah. being like this directly disrespectful to a teacher. Um, and she finishes the song and like this, this teacher is like so calm about it. And it's just like, really good, Lily, like really interesting melodies. I like this chord progression, interesting lyrics. And, you know, is, is very um, calm and kind of collected about it. Um, but then she says, but this still isn't showcase material. And then Lily goes off again. She's like, this isn't fair. I'm the best person here, which is rude to say in a, in a class full of your peers. Um, and she's like, you're she's like, you're just taking this out on me because I have potential and, um, you know, the teacher's not having it. So Lily goes to, to storm out and the teacher's like, Lily, don't slam the door on your way out. That would be a little over the top. And it's just, oh. it's really good. So icy. I love it. Because, yeah, Lily's, Lily's kind of being a brat. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. They got tired of giving Robbie all of those plot lines, so they had to give Lily something. Uh... True. True. It's nice to see Robbie be uh, a bit more the relatable one for one. Yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of goofy, nice Robbie. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested to see how Lily's going to turn it around in the rest of, of the episode. But for now, it's time to take a break. <laughs> This week's CanCon commercial break is a show that I had <laughs> no fucking clue was partly Canadian. It's Donkey Kong Country. Hey, baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Donkey Kong Country is a Canadian French, that's the country France, not French Canadian. A uh, computer animated television series loosely based on the Nintendo franchise Donkey Kong, as portrayed in the Donkey Kong Country video game series by Nintendo and Rare. It first aired in France on September 4th, 1996, during a block called La Planète de Donkey Kong, translated as <laughs> The Planet of Donkey uh, Kong. A whole block that was Donkey Kong themed? Oh, it's beautiful. We'll get there. We'll get there. Jesus. France ate this up. Um, and it aired on Teletoon in Canada in 1997. In the States, it was one of the first series to be shown on Fox Family, uh, it, in which the series would was broadcast in its entirety from August 15, 1998 until 2000. Um, so a synopsis, I guess, of the series and of uh, Donkey Kong in general, if you're not super familiar, 
Donkey Kong is an ape who happens to find a magic coconut called the Crystal Coconut, which grants wishes and is capable of answering questions asked of it. Donkey Kong is the protector of the Crystal Coconut, which is housed in Cranky Kong's cabin. King K. Rule and his minions want to steal the Crystal Coconut from Donkey Kong and company in order to rule Congo Bongo Island, the setting of the show. Try as they may, King K. Rule and his minions never succeed in stealing the Crystal Coconut. Each episode features two songs performed by the show's characters, and the series spanned a total of 40 episodes in two seasons. Now, I did not remember that there were songs involved in this show. Oh, they're beautiful songs. Some people call me negative. They don't like my frown. They all try to cheer me up, but I'm down with being down. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. He's a genius, cause I am, cause I'm cranky. I got my so, so many songs. That's like 80 songs. That's too many songs. Um, so a little bit about uh, the production, I guess. The companies involved were Nelvana. So you know this series was executive produced by our friend Michael Hirsch. Of course. Close personal friend. Uh, Media Lab, which is the French uh, motion capture studio. Uh, WIC Entertainment, Nintendo. Z- Nintendo did know about and approve this series. <laughs> and uh, Hong Kong Animation. So, Media Lab Technology was a leading post production company located in Paris, France. It was founded in 1991 by French master Alain Guillon. It was known in the late 1990s for its motion capture animation. Um, one thing that I, I didn't know, and I don't know if it ever came up in Sticking Around, but they actually co produced Sticking Around. Oh. Uh, you can see in some of the uh, credits that it's a Nelvana Media Lab production, which is interesting. And it's also entirely different from their approach to Donkey Kong Country, which apparently was one of the first series to be uh, entirely created with motion capture technology. You couldn't tell that from watching the show, though. Fucking yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. What is a motion <laughs> I I don't. I don't know, and the results are not great. <laughs> to, I, say, I thought, to say the least. Watching this as a kid, I thought a hundred percent that this was just like somebody just like working like some poor silicon graphics machine to its bone, trying to get like all the animations to work with keyframes. But no, this was mocapped, and I can't understand how. <laughs> it oh makes God. no sense. So the pilot episode is this episode called Bad Hair Day, which is kind of like a Samson retelling where Kinky Rule makes a fake Candy Kong that is a robot and she cuts Donkey Kong's hair and uh, he loses his strength as a result. You'll notice that what they chose to do is not like that thing on top of Donkey Kong's hair, like, like uh-huh. the, the thing on top of his head, that little, that little yeah, swoop little you see there. You think that's his hair, right? That's his hairstyle, right? But... When they show him with the shaved head, that's oh, just the go. shape of his skull. <laughs> that's just his skull. Why? Why did they make that a choice? <laughs> it's part of the canon. Why is he like that? This feels so off model for all the characters. Like, I'm very surprised that Nintendo actually produced this. Uh, but there's a woman monkey who's skinny with tits. Oh my god. She has far too much titty for being on a kid's show. She said, like, Daisy Dukes in a crop top. Also, gotta say, very selective use of nipples here. Most of the characters (laughs) don't have them. Most of the characters don't have them. And then every now and then, 
Just just like one character. <laughs> I hadn't noticed the selective nipples before. Thank you for pointing I'm, that I'm, out, Jody. Yeah, I'm here, you know, keeping an eye Nipple on watch. things. Nipple watch. Nipple oh, watch. I love it. 2020. It's a really ugly show. Um, yeah, but apparently a pioneer for motion capture. In fact, uh, the uh, Donkey Kong Country actually ended up creating some controversy at the 1999 Emmys. I have an LA Times article written by Charles Solomon from June 1st, 1999. To the average viewer, the Sunday morning children's series Donkey Kong Country looks pretty much like any other cartoon. Does it really though? But when its producers submitted it for consideration in the Emmy Award category of Best Animation, the TV Academy said it didn't qualify. The rejection added fuel to an ongoing debate over a computer-driven filmmaking technique called motion capture that is widely used in video game design. Only recently has it had much impact on television and feature animation, notably in Donkey Kong Country and a new version of Superman that is available on the internet and will be coming to television. We're disappointed that the Academy took the position it did, because a lot of rendering, design, and animation has to be done in a series that uses motion capture, counters Topher Taylor, president of Nelvana Communications. If all we were doing was putting a guy in a suit in front of a computer, Taylor says, then everybody and their grandmother could have a motion capture series on the air. So they were a little salty about being left out of the Emmys, but honestly, guys, even if you did qualify, I don't think you would get into the Emmys. So I found a Polygon article where they managed to get hold of one of the writers of the show. And uh, according to uh, the article, so a quote from the article, writer Salmon Rashiapa says the show had a Bible with basic rules. I don't remember any Nintendo-led story restrictions, but many of those would have been covered by the fact that it was a kid's show and had a lot of necessary standards to it just because of that fact. For example, Donkey Kong was never going to strangle anyone because no kid's show character ever strangles anyone. <laughs> It's just such a weird example. I don't think that needed to be said. <laughs> I, I don't think so either. They could have broken new ground for kids' well, TV, it. but they decided to shy away. Yeah. That was that was the whole niche of my fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Donkey Kong strangles a guy. Um, as far as the cast goes, it's there are so many Kongs. You got Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, Cranky Kong, Funky Kong, Candy Kong, Dixie Kong. And series exclusive Bluster Kong, who I'm I'm given to understand is not well liked in the fandom. But yeah, so you got all these Kongs, and then you got King K. Rule, who looks like a big gator with a crown and a cape, and he's got all his underlings. Pretty great. As far as the cast goes, for the most part, it's it's just folks who have been in like, you know, a bunch of different voice things. Um, Sterling Jarvis plays the singing voice of Donkey Kong, and he's quite well loved in the fandom, but he hasn't really done much else. Um, Across the cast, people have voiced in things like Piccola and Bakugan. One interesting casting was uh, Joy Tanner plays Candy Kong, a.k.a. the Kong, which is far too inappropriate for a kid's show. And Joy Tanner was also Nora McDonald from Life with Derek. I knew that. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I, I know this woman. A lot of the INDB reviews are just memes, like they're troll posts. Either that or they're essay-long posts. So instead, I decided to take a different tack with reception. I found a wiki called the Terrible TV Shows Wiki, um, which has a page for Donkey Kong Country. And it basically just breaks down it into a list of bad qualities and good qualities. It's come up with, they've, uh, whoever edited this came up with 14 bad qualities of Donkey Kong Country. I'm not going to read them all, <laughs> but there's some good ones in here. So here are some of the bad qualities. 
The character models for every character are composed of different separate models for each body part that were animated separately via motion capture, and then in parentheses, a very lazy amateur animation technique, by the way. It's a member of the Emmy Academy. Yes, resulting in very weird, wonky, and laughable CGI animation that sometimes borders on string puppets. Here's another one. Bizarre writing. For example, in the episode The Big Switcheroo, King K. Rule wants to use Cranky's brain swapping machine to get the knowledge out of books. This is extremely dumb because books don't have brains. <laughs> Most of the songs are just plain silly and come out of nowhere. On top of that, there are two songs per episode. Also, depending on the songs, the lyrics are usually pretty awful. For example, in Metalhead, they just sing about computer stuff without much coherence or any understanding of computers. Sometimes the songs themselves have great instruments and a catchy beat, but the lyrics somewhat ruin them. Donkey Kong's voice acting sounds too childish for his character. The future Donkey Kong games have Donkey Kong grunting like a real gorilla. So the, the, the realism was a, a real bad quality, or the lack thereof. Uh, and here's one of the last bad qualities I'll share. The show only uses elements from the first Donkey Kong Country. As a result, Swanky Kong, Wrinkly Kong, and Kitty Kong are nowhere to be seen. Also, the animal characters. buddies aren't there. <laughs> There's so many Kongs. Or even the other animal enemies from Donkey Kong. What makes this worse is that Donkey Kong Country 3 released a year before the show's premiere, so there's no real excuse. <laughs> Uh, it's a real mad Donkey Kong fan. Oh, they do, so they do offer some. There's far too many Kongs. It's a lot of Kong. Um, they do offer some good qualities, like the theme song being catchy. Um, uh, That's true. Yeah, uh, they they liked the voice actor who played King K. Rule, um, and they liked Donkey Kong's singing voice is great, which I might have mentioned before. Um, and uh, yeah. So, so there's a little bit of the reception. It tends to be some people love it because it's bad, or they hate it because it's bad, or they just treat it like a meme, which is always a good time. Um, in fact, it's such a meme that just this year at MAGFest 2020, uh, which is a uh, fan convention in the Washington area, somebody, a group of folks made a Donkey Kong Country TV musical called Banana Slam. Amazing. <laughs> Where they basically performed a mashup of a couple of the episodes of Donkey Kong Country in front of an audience in January of this year. Good lord. One of our last treasured moments of live performance before the lockdown was you, Banana yeah. Slam of the Musical. Can you imagine like a historian going back like 2,000 years from now and the final like cultural event that happened before the lockdown was Banana Slamma. Banana Slamma. Yeah, that, um, that was when God looked down on Earth and just said, ah, you guys have had your fun. <laughs> yeah, this is enough. Uh, this is enough of this. Um, now, I did mention at the beginning uh, that uh, the last kind of area I want to focus on with Donkey Kong Country is a block I'm just calling France Things. Uh, because this whole thing was huge in France. So um, huge in France. Yeah, so Donkey Kong Planet, known in French as La Planète de Donkey Kong... <laughs> And later named DKTV and DKTV.cool is a programming block that aired from September 4th, 1996 to September 1st, 2001 on France 2, reusing various assets from the Donkey Kong Country animated series. It's produced and animated by Media Lab. Using a children's anthology format, it consisted of airings of various animated series and children's live action shows, interspersed with original material featuring part of the Donkey Kong Country series cast. The original incarnation of the show co-starred children's show host Melanie Angeli and Donkey Kong with uh, skits frequently deriving humor from Donkey Kong's dim-wittedness. 
After Melanie departed the show in 2000, the show was retooled as DKTV and featured different content, ranging from comedic skits to musical numbers and parodies of current movies and TV shows. It is bizarre. It is... Hubert and I watched a little bit of it. Like, there's parts where Donkey Kong is dancing and singing with a bunch of, like, kids. There's parts where it's, like, it's aping. But it's, it's like, it's like he's added in post. Yeah. Added the the CG model in post and kind of just dancing and reacting to nothing. It's very good. Yeah. And, like, this ran for five years. Like, this bizarre programming block that was hosted by a really terrifying... CG model of Donkey Kong and all his friends. This absolutely feels like something you would like stumble upon when you're like at a like YouTube rabbit hole at like three in the morning. Yes. And this is the thing that would make you say, all right, I've seen enough. I need to go to bed. <laughs> yes, that is DKTV in a nutshell, I feel like. So if you're a fan of Donkey Kong Country, I highly recommend <sighs> watching a little bit of DKTV because it's just it's just bonkers. One of the interesting things I found while looking for stuff for Donkey Kong Country is there's actually a video uploaded by somebody named Fabienne Legrand, and she uploaded like a maybe eight or nine minute long, almost sort of a mini documentary on how Donkey Kong Country is made. And she, this is the description. I was CG supervisor at Media Lab for 12 years since 1989, and after the end of the company with three other people, I founded K-Ractor with a 3D real-time system we created at Media Lab. Unfortunately, we had to close K-Ractor in 2011 after 10 years of activity. We keep all the archive video of Media Lab until 2011. At the end of K-Ractor, we entrusted them at the Institut National Audiovisual to be sure that the Media Lab adventure doesn't be forgotten. Um, and it's just, yeah, like there's actual like footage of somebody in a motion capture suit like singing. I think it's like stuck in the middle with you while like dancing as Donkey Kong. It's just nuts. It's... Oh. We've gone through almost 50 shows at this point, and you you would think nothing would surprise me anymore, but <laughs> just every aspect of this is baffling. I don't understand why, why did they mocap it? Why did they mo- It looks yeah. terrible. It looks so bad. It's a Canadian creation, at least in part, and boy, can we be proud. Um, Submit it to the National Film Board. Oh, it's it's a treasure it's a national treasure and you can watch it um treehouse direct uk has a bunch of episodes on youtube um there are dvd sets and you can sometimes find them at dollarama which we know because we found a set at dollarama i uh, i'm I'm, i wish i bought two yeah because i i I mailed the one off to a friend who's a donkey kong fan um which i'm assuming he's saving for a big resale on ebay 30 years from now oh yeah when it's uh you know truly given its status as a cultural icon <laughs> yes so yeah that's donkey kong country um here's a fun six degrees of rfr for you so cranky kong who is the the eldest kong was voiced by an actor named aaron tager who had a recurring role on the uh, canadian series my 90 year old roommate which also featured al mcadam as a guest in one episode so there you go cranky kong is your big connection <laughs> Guys, if you if you want if you want just a rabbit hole of of strangeness, check out some Donkey Kong Country, and even almost even more so, check out La Planète de Donkey Kong <laughs> or DKTV. We'll land on that planet and then go back into orbit and, and just yeah. obliterate it from orbit. No, we should leave this planet for that one. <laughs> yeah, screw Mars, Elon. Yeah. Leave go. Earth behind. Let's go to La Planète de Donkey Kong. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for joining us for this very important Donkey Kong segment. Here. I couldn't miss it. I wouldn't no. miss it for the planet of Donkey Kong. La planète Donkey Kong. I really like her, but I don't think we have anything in common. She just won't stop talking. It's like she uses it as a distraction to avoid letting anyone in. Yeah, you're right. You two have nothing in common. So we get more uh, Ray, Buddy, Travis walking down the hallway trying to help each other out of their problems. Ray's talking about, you know, all the stress that he's feeling with Grace and, you know, how is he going to get everything right? And Travis is just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, just kind of like <laughs> vaguely listening along. And Ray's like, all right, what's up with you? And, you know, Travis tells him that he kind of snapped at Parker. And we get kind of the flip of that, of Parker sitting with Lily on the stairs, uh, being like, I blew it with Travis. I just, I get so nervous and then I can't stop talking. And Lily says the same thing. She's like, you guys are just both in your head. You both think too much and it's it's fine. You clearly have strong feelings for each other. You just got to figure it out. Parker's such sad puppy energy. Oh, I know, I know. Sad Parker is the worst because we just, we just love Parker so much. I just want to hug her. <laughs> um, but Lily's still got a guitar with her and she starts strumming it on the stairs and Parker's like, oh, I haven't heard that one in a while. And Lily's like, well, I, I just wrote it. And then like plays it again and realizes something. She's like, Parker, you're a genius. And she goes and leaves to talk to her, her music teacher, kind of stands in the door of her classroom and says to her, it's the same song. I have been writing the same song. You liked the first one, so I just kept on writing songs like it because I thought that's what you'd like. Exactly. You know, when you write to please someone else, nine times out of ten, you end up pleasing nobody. So they, they have a good talk, and uh, the teacher's like, it was a good song, so I gave you an A, but the paper says a B on it. And she's like, well, I docked you for being mean, which absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. care about how harsh the teacher's being. She, Lily should have gotten detention for what she pulled. So, like, she's yeah, being very understanding done. about that. Um, it's true. But they, they just have a conversation of, you know, the teacher saying, I, I think you're really talented and you found what you're good at. And I'm really good at teaching. I'm hard, but I'm good. And I think that you have potential. And if you write me a new song by the end of the week, I'll put you in the showcase. Which is a huge fuck you to whoever, like, the fifth student in the top five yeah. was that was in the showcase. Are they getting booted? <laughs> well, I'm hoping she means though she'll be, like, a like a bonus student or something like that. Because, like, although I wouldn't be surprised with what we've seen with this tar- teacher being such a weird, hard-ass, like, power trip person so far. It could very well be, like, you know fight claw your way to the top and kick <laughs> kick down those just, below you <laughs> just what are the parameters of you know this this showcase is this something that mickey's has put together or have they just kind of like finagled their way into his space oh yeah they totally like you know mickey like half-heartedly like tries to yell into his megaphone but he he knows it's too late the yeah. teens have taken over. This just scares me so much. You're different from anyone I've ever known. And because you're so amazingly different, I'm worried I'm going to blow it. So I just end up blowing it. Ditto here, except I was going to say differently amazing. But then we get another scene in the hallway, this time of uh, the Parker and Travis kind of Ooh. trying to talk to each other. And they're both very like nervous and fumbly. And they're both like, I'm sorry, I just... I don't know what I'm doing and I get so nervous around you and Parker kind of like starts spinning and won't stop talking. So then Travis kisses her and it's very cute. And she's like, I don't know what to say. And he's just like, finally. 
But as sweet as this is, the entire scene, like, there's a poster on the lockers behind them. I know I'm very poster obsessed, but it's just, like, in the biggest text. It's like, Drama Club Beats Fridays! And it's, like, the biggest text, and it's so distracting. And I just... Drama Club! Gotta, gotta, gotta know to the Drama Fridays. Club. They gotta know. The people gotta know. No distraction. I can just make it through the next hour. I'll have enough money for my date with Grace! So after they make up in the hallway, we go to Mickey's later that night. Parker and Travis are just sitting at a table kind of reading, working on their own thing. But they're just holding hands. And it's just very Aww. cute, very calm. Uh, and Ray comes by in like full busboy getup and is like clearing their table. Travis is like, hey, Ray. And Ray's like, don't distract me. I'm almost there. I almost have enough money to go on my date with. And then bumps into Grace immediately. Um, and he realizes pretty quickly that the jig is up. Um, and that, you know, he, this is what, he needs to come clean and be honest, like this was how he was going to afford it. And Grace thinks he's very sweet for putting this much effort into getting money for, for their date. But it was really stupid for him to think that that was what she cared about. Cause I mean, from mm-hmm. the start, Grace has just been like very sweet of like, I just want to spend time with you. So they, yeah. it's, it's a sweet moment with them. Uh, and Ray's like, does that mean I can quit this job? And Grace is like, I think he just got fired because she looks behind him and sees that he's somehow like overloaded the dishwasher. And there's like that like classic oh. comical like pile of like bubbles coming out of the kitchen. And we get like a very like <laughs> disgruntled looking Mickey. He's so good at looking angry. It's such a beautiful frame. It's just like a like a like a long shot of just like Mickey just staring furiously at Ray <laughs> with bubbles emerging from the wall, like from the door, like the mysterious hallway. And it's just, it's very good. It's a good shot. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so later that night, the gang is hanging out at Mickey's as the showcase is getting ready to go on. Ray's like, oh, I wish I could make it up to Mickey. And Grace is like, well, I don't think there's any more jobs here for you that you can mess up. <laughs> but then he sees, um, you know, the crowd is all kind of like very focused around the like frantic teacher trying to get all of her students organized to do like this like composition um, showcase, which like, it's just, I, I know I've been hung up on the showcase aspect of this, but this is like <laughs> such like a high school talent show. Like this is something that your parents would want to go to. This isn't, like, a fun fun hangout. I mean, like, it works because, like, Lily is in, like, a cool band, so you've got that. Yeah. But, like, what were the other compositions people were coming up with? Like, this is going to be a whole whole mixed bag. And, like, I I just have so many questions. Um, (laughs) But, you know, Ray sees that the crowd is kind of, like, distracted, divided, jumps up on stage... And, like, it's like, hey, everybody, welcome to the showcase. And essentially starts doing, like, a bit of, like, warm-up stand-up comedy. Now, I ask you, please, to turn off your cell phones because it's important that your rings don't, well, musically outshine the students. Nah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, just, like, decides to, like, take on being the MC. This would be helpful. Yeah, but it turns out it is. You know, it warms up the crowd, and he's good at it. Of course, Ray would be good at stand-up, and I would mm-hmm. love to imagine that in, like, the the world beyond what we see in this series. He like does stand up later in his life. Um, yeah. And Mickey's like, ah, you're, you're great kid. And starting now you're a full-time MC, which <laughs> how? 
<laughs> All right, 14-year-old kid, you're now the full-time You work MC for me now. You're mine. You work for me full-time. <laughs> um, so he introduces Lily, who, got, who gets on stage with the rest of the band. So this is No Man's Land yeah. performing at this point. This isn't just Lily doing a showcase. <laughs> so she's automatically at an advantage over everybody, has been a dick this whole time, <laughs> has taken up all the class yeah. time, now gets to open the show with her band. Like, I love Lily, but this episode makes me so mad. And she, and it's even worse because the song that they perform sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like the whole message of it is like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to write whatever I feel, which is like what she's like supposed to be her big takeaway. But like the whole course is just her saying, I don't care. I really don't care. I just I just don't care. Like it's such lazy, <laughs> bad lyrics. And I'm like, you, <laughs> the people who got A's to begin with, who like yeah. were probably so excited to be in the showcase. Just fuming. Uh, yes. So I'm like, Good job, Lily, but like, fuck. <laughs> but that's where we, we leave it off. We've got uh, Grace and Ray going strong. We got Parker and Travis going strong. And we got uh, Lily being more assured in her music career. And we got Robbie not yeah. complaining for an episode. Oh, it's great. Yeah, like I was getting so sick of like every episode. It's just like Robbie's finding another reason to complain about River Pierce. It's like, all right, dude, this, that's enough of that. It's too much. So songs featured in this week's episode include Come On by The Riff Randalls, Tomorrow by The Saltines, Everything by Sterling, and No One's Fool by Easily Amused. Today we're talking about Tomorrow by The Saltines. So The Saltines formed in Vancouver in 1997, their Vancouver band. Their 2000 debut LP, Short Term Memories, was released on Endearing Records. For the next two years, the band performed in support of this release, earning a fan base in Canada, Australia, Japan, and the US. Short Term Memories rose to the top of Canada's National College Radio chart and was nominated in the category of Best Alternative Album at Canadian Music Week's 2001 Independent Music Awards. This is all from Wikipedia, by the way. Um, Another fun fact, uh, another couple fun facts on their Wikipedia page. Zellers, a Canadian discount department store, used the song Nice Day in its spring 2007 commercial. <laughs> in addition, <laughs> yeah, very specific. You know that the band put that in there being like, fuck yeah, Zellers. Uh, in addition, the band guest starred and performed uh, in a couple episodes of Yo Gabba Gabba. They wrote two songs for Yo Gabba Gabba, Be Nice to Animals, and I'm So Happy I Can Dance. And... Uh, I feel like that might be their enduring legacy because the Yo Gabba Gabba songs each have like a few million uh, views on YouTube. So get on, get on Yo Gabba Gabba and you'll get your big break. Except maybe not. Um, <laughs> uh, their last album was Grey Eyes in 2010. According to Wikipedia, like you know where it says years active, it says like 1997 to present. But I mean, saltines.com is apparently for sale if you go to it. And their last tweet is from 2012. So I don't know how active they are, but um, you can find some of their stuff around, especially if you're looking for uh, any Yo Gabba Gabba stuff. If you want to listen to a song, I'm So Happy I Can Dance from Yo Gabba Gabba. It's pretty cute. And Tomorrow's a really fun song. It's the song that plays when uh, poor Travis is nursing a, a pulled muscle or whatever he is when uh, he and Parker are hanging out at Mickey's. 
And uh, yeah, it's got just some good, good poppy good times from Vancouver. So if you're not already, you can follow us on social media. You can find us at Podcast Free Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram or Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. You can also send us an email if that's more your style. Send us a note. Let us know what you think of the show, what you remember of Radio Free Roscoe, um, you know, any any thoughts on our CanCon picks. We would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>